0: Welcome to Bitcoins and Gravy, Episode 51. At the time of this recording, Bitcoins are trading at two hundred and seven dollars each, and everybody's Let's Talk Bitcoin favorite coin for content creation, the LTB coin, is trading at point zero 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 two two two, as in to the moon U.S. dollars. Mm, mm, mm. Now that's gravy. You know i read a funny joke the other day and i thought i would read it here on the show to begin the show and get everybody in a good mood (laughs) anybody who's not in a good mood hey if you're not in a good mood get in a good mood right even if things are bad i have some tough things going on in my life and i'm still working hard to be in a good mood to help myself through it here's the joke a man was stopped by the police around 2 a.m the officer asked him where he was going at that time of night the man replied I'm on my way to a lecture about alcohol abuse and the effects it has on the human body as well as smoking and staying out late. The officer then asked, really, who's giving that lecture at this time of night? The man replied, that would be my wife. (laughs) Welcome to Bitcoins and Gravy, and thanks for joining me today as I podcast from East Nashville, Tennessee, with my trusty sidekick, Maxwell, by my side. Say hello, Maxwell. We're two Bitcoin enthusiasts who love talking about Bitcoin and sharing what we learn with you, the listener. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy the show. On today's show, I interview Gary Dykstra, a Detroit transplant living in Indonesia on the beautiful island of Bali. Gary tells us about Bitcoin in Bali and how it's now possible to vacation in Bali and spend only bitcoins. We get an update on the Ubud weekly meetup and we learn about the bitislands.com social experiment going on right now in Bali. Gary also tells us about late night parties, monkeys that will steal your sunglasses, and off-road motorcycling through the jungle. Today on the show, I am speaking with Bali. Now, I'm not actually speaking with the entire island of Bali. I'm just speaking with one person who is in Bali, an American living in Bali. Gary Dykstra is with us here on the show. Gary, welcome to Bitcoins and Gravy.
1: Hello, John. Happy to be here. Big fan of the show. You're doing good work.
0: Oh, thank you, man. I really appreciate that. Um, How about Max? How's he doing?
1: Yes, I'm a fan of Max as well.
0: Nice, man. All right, so let's see. It is a little after 8 o'clock p.m. here in Nashville. What time is it there in Bali? It's a little bit after 10 a.m. 10 a.m. Wow. And what's the temperature there? Probably
1: in the 90s with lots of humidity to go along with it.
0: Oh, wow, man. You know, that sounds great compared to what it is here. I think it's 38 here in Nashville. I just drove over to Mitchell's with my friend Connie and got some hot soup and a sandwich. So I'm at least warmed inside. And it's (laughs) warm here in my house. But that Bali, that sounds pretty nice. Now, you are originally from where?
1: Uh, I'm originally from Detroit. Oh, wow. Detroit, Michigan, Motor City
0: oh yeah man wow from Motor City, from motown when did you move to bali and what brought you there well i came to
1: bali really on a vacation about a year ago i came for an economics conference Uh, basically i wanted to meet uh, one of my favorite authors a guy by the name of charles eisenstein he was doing a a little retreat here so we spent uh, a few days with him and learning about some of the stuff that he advocates in his books and uh... i really fell in love with bali itself it's a fantastic place and uh... i just stayed which is uh... not an uncommon story when people visit bali
0: yeah you know i actually met you through your mother Cheryl, who i met at one of the bitcoin meetups here in nashville and she told the story of so gary goes to bali for something related to his business and then he calls me and says mom i'm not coming back I love that story. You know, only a mother can tell that story. But, you know, so Bali must be doing pretty well for you, or you must be doing pretty well for Bali. What is it about Bali that kept you there?
1: Well, you know, Bali's got a lot going for it. Of course, it's a beautiful place to be. So many people come here on vacation for that reason. Mm -hmm. But uh, I found a lot more here that that appealed to me as well. Um, For one thing, it's a bit of a tech hub. I mean, it's still... Kind of the third world. Sometimes it's still hard to find a good internet connection, but there's a lot of uh, interesting projects going on here. A lot of interesting and smart people are here, and it's a good business incubation environment, uh, especially for Bitcoin. Okay. It's a good business environment because it's very inexpensive to operate here.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: So your your overheads are low yet you can still find uh, all kinds of smart people to involve in your projects. Uh, There's a good internet connection available. There's a a huge expat community. I basically do my work at a co-working space. Basically it's office space that uh, people share and it ends up being this collaborative environment that's very conducive to uh, big ideas and and getting things done. In almost every major town you can find a a co-working environment. It is uh, somewhat big here because a lot of people from the West choose to set up their companies in Southeast Asia and you can find co-working environments. I I work at a place called Hubud and there are other places in, in Bangkok and Kuala Lumpur and basically sprinkled throughout asia you can find co-working places to work it's an interesting phenomenon and you know when i travel around southeast asia i can usually find a place like this to get things done
0: I think here in Nashville, the business, Emma, has a co-working environment. And I'm certain from my reading that that is popular now in Silicon Valley and in the San Francisco area as well. Indeed. So that's really neat. Now, so what is your background? My background is in technology. I've had uh, a 20 plus year
1: career in technology, more specifically, at least the latter part of my career in financial technology. Okay. And uh, of course, when when Bitcoin came along, I could immediately see the significance of Bitcoin and I left my job in technology to work on Bitcoin projects and advocate for Bitcoin full time. I've got uh, a little bit of savings that uh, I'm living on Mm -hmm. and uh, that along with the uh, precipitous rise in the price of Bitcoin has given me a little bit of runway to get things going here in Bali.
0: Oh, that's great. Now, talking about the rise of Bitcoin, of course, we also have to talk about the fall of Bitcoin because, you know, I think Americans who like to gamble and Americans who like to play the markets and who like to trade, I think that they probably share something in common with traders worldwide, and that is that fear and greed really motivates, right? So now that we have the Bitcoin price going down and Litecoin price going down, there's this total lack of faith in Bitcoin. Some of these people only have faith in Bitcoin when the price is starting to go up, right? So how are people in Bali reacting? to the price going down this past year, really? You know, it's
1: very interesting because I first got here, Bitcoin was around $400, and um, we had our first Bitcoin meetup and nobody came. Nothing was really happening until the price rose to around 600 650 somewhere in there, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, all of this interest came out of the woodwork. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> it's an unfortunate circumstance that people tend to be more interested when it's going up and maybe a little bit less interested when it's going down. I've definitely seen that. I mean, what we're trying to do here in Bali is build a, a Bitcoin economy. Mm-hmm. So trying to make Bitcoin work as money. I mean, there's an especially interesting use case that the travel use case that makes Bali a very interesting place to try and get an economy moving because you've got all of the, the Bitcoin in the world that uh, people are sitting on. And when they think about spending Bitcoin, if there's a destination, if there's a a travel destination where they can spend their Bitcoins, then Bali being a a world-famous tourist destination, it's kind of an interesting situation.
0: You sent me a link to bitislands.com. Now, is that kind of along the lines of what you're talking about? Bali is an island. Right.
1: One of the islands of Indonesia, of which there are... I don't know, I think there's over a thousand islands in the Indonesian archipelago. Okay. So Bit Islands is a social experiment to advocate Bitcoin globally for the travel use case for people landing in Bali and spending only Bitcoin for their vacation.
0: Okay. Now, how is that going? It looked like a pretty appealing sight. I saw lots of beach scenes and some cabanas, and I saw some hammocks, and I saw some scantily clad women, and <laughs> it, it actually looked pretty appealing, you know.
1: <laughs> when we got started a year ago, we had zero merchants. You know, if you looked at CoinMap, you know, Bali was a big donut. So we've come a long way. If you go to that site, you can see the merchants here in Bali that have decided to accept Bitcoin as payment. Mm-hmm. And after a year's worth of work, you can pretty much live on Bitcoin in Bali. You can hire a taxi driver. You can stay at a five-star hotel you can go on excursions, you can buy jewelry, you can rent a villa.
0: Hmm.
1: You know, it's a pretty good situation here if you're traveling here and you've got Bitcoin on your phone.
0: I see. So now when you talk about Bali, you can use Bitcoin in Bali. Bali is a pretty big island, isn't it?
1: It probably takes you three or four hours to drive around the perimeter of Bali, so it's not that big.
0: Okay, three or four hours to drive the perimeter.
1: I live in a town called Ubud u-b-u-d okay it's a it's a little artist colony right in the middle of bali but it's really the center of the universe as far as uh bitcoins in bali is concerned we've got lots of activity lots of bitcoin projects going on here and it's fertile ground
0: Well, that's pretty exciting. So what has happened in Bali over the past year? Can you tell us how Bitcoin has grown? Like you said, you had the first Bitcoin meetup and nobody showed up. Price started going up and people started showing up. So what's going on? Give us an overview of the past year of Bitcoin in Bali.
1: Well, we did start from a standstill when i arrived in bali last february there were no merchants that accepted bitcoin we really did start at ground zero okay but i'm happy to say that uh, there's been lots and lots of development over the course of the last year by having weekly meetings weekly meetups and monthly bitcoin 101 kind of get your wallet get some bitcoin meetings Mm -hmm. and just uh, community outreach like that we've got a bitcoin economy going here it's still Still pretty early, still early days, but uh, it's happening. You can do most anything you want to do with Bitcoin.
0: So how many merchants would you say there are in Bali right now that accept Bitcoin?
1: There are a couple dozen merchants that accept Bitcoin.
0: Oh, wow, that's great.
1: That's mostly just through the community outreach and just through inbound interest, I would say, in Bitcoin. You know, merchants showing up to the meetings with a little bit of curiosity and then us uh, setting them up to accept Bitcoin. You know, teaching individuals how to spend their Bitcoin, really trying to create that economic loop of people using Bitcoin and merchants uh, offering their services for Bitcoin.
0: Okay, I see. So what's the economy like in Bali right now overall? Well, it's great because they rely on
1: tourism. Well, Indonesia, their main industry is tourism, and Bali is the most popular tourist destination in Indonesia. About between 2 and 3 million visitors come every year. Okay. So, and the the island itself only has about 4 million people, so almost as many visitors as uh, people who live here.
0: Now, as far as your group of friends, do you hang out with just the expats, only the people who speak fluent English, or do you hang out with any of the people that are native to Bali? What is the native language there in Bali?
1: Well, there is a Balinese language, Mm -hmm. well... It's pretty challenging to speak Balinese, but Indonesian, which is the you know for the country of Indonesia, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a little bit easier to pick up Indonesian, and you can speak to almost anybody in Indonesian here. As far as who I spend my time with, there are lots of Westerners, lots of uh, Europeans, Americans, Canadians here in Ubud and at the co-working space where I work. But a big part of what we're trying to do here is reach out to the the native population. I think from a macroeconomic standpoint, from a political standpoint, Bitcoin can be much more useful, much more interesting for the Indonesian people than um, Europe and and North America.
0: I had this image all of a sudden of missionaries, (laughs) that you're Bitcoin (laughs) missionaries, and (laughs) instead of the Bible, you have the white paper.
1: Well, I'd really be interested if there are other people like myself that are trying to get an economy going in their local area because, you know, it's a... It's almost like a, a discipline in itself, or there, I, I think that there's lots of approaches one could take to try and get Bitcoin to take off mm-hmm. as money or to try and build a Bitcoin economy. Mm-hmm. That's really what we're trying to do here. But, um, you know, uh, we're, we're only doing it based on our own ideas and our own kind of effort you know, trying to sign up merchants, trying to educate individuals, uh, mm-hmm. doing community outreach. We recently had the Bitcoin Film Festival to generate interest.
0: Tell us about that.
1: I think on Let's Talk Bitcoin, they talked with Aaron Koenig, who does the Film Bitcoin Film Festival, which they have screened at cities all over the world. We screened that film festival on December 13th, just a few weeks back. And we had over 300 people show up.
0: Wow, that's great.
1: We even had to turn some people away. There was a huge interest, and we we packed this tiny little theater in downtown Ubud. It was a real success, and it was a real testament to the interest in Bitcoin. It was inspiring to see that many people interested and that many people show up.
0: Well, that's really cool. You know, I'm sure you've listened to many YouTube videos by Andreas Antonopoulos, right? Yes. With your background in finance, his background in finance and security and all of that. One thing that he talks about is how one of the last places that would really need to, or where there would be a rush to, or a strong desire to accept Bitcoin would be, you know, places in the West, like the United States, as our economy stands today. Now that may change in the future going forward. It probably will, you know, so he talks about developing countries. He talks about These are the places where Bitcoin can really help people out in countless ways. And we've all heard about that. I've done shows about that. And you've, I'm sure, talked with many people about that and studied that on your own. But what is the economy like in Bali? And does it make sense for people in Bali to... Embrace Bitcoin and to start using Bitcoin more so than here in the United States, where, you know, here in the United States, a lot of people want merchants to accept Bitcoin, but it all seems to be kind of centered around the idea of shopping. When Andreas Antonopoulos came back from Argentina, he saw all the poverty there and he saw the financial crisis that those people were in. He came back and went straight to one of these conferences where everybody was talking about, look at this cool app that I've got, look at this cool thing I've got. Bitcoin's going to be the shopping tool for the world. I don't think that Satoshi Nakamoto's original intent was to create a digital money that would allow people to do some serious shopping like never before to facilitate high energy and high volume shopping. So when it comes to Bali, what is the incentive for people there to accept Bitcoin? How do you feel that accepting Bitcoin from a merchant perspective there? or from just your average citizen there who wants to have a Bitcoin wallet, own some Bitcoin, spend some Bitcoin? What do you feel is the advantage for the average person there in Bali?
1: That's a great question. The average Asian citizen in Bali, they don't realize the price that they pay for the economic policies of countries like the United States and and Indonesia. You know, Indonesia is, uh, I guess you could classify it as an emerging market or, quote, the the third world. And what that means is, you know, if the United States, through quantitative easing, devalues their currency, then if the Bank of Indonesia doesn't devalue their currency at the same rate, that means that the citizens of Indonesia pay some sort of price, right? If all of a sudden the, the U.S. dollar is much stronger then, if the small business owner in Indonesia doesn't change their prices, then they, they basically lose out based on the policy decisions of big political entities like the United States or, or even their own country. Mm-hmm. So the sound money, fair money, money that has a, a fixed and predictable growth supply like Bitcoin um, is ideal for the citizens of a country like Indonesia who uh, basically do business with the world but pay the price when their governments have certain policy decisions around the money supply. So it's really interesting to me. I mean, one of the reasons i interested in seeing an economy grow here in Bali is to see what happens when fair money is used versus the, the fiat money that uh, really, well, there's just a, a lot of funny business going on right now in the global monetary system with the money supply, quantitative easing, mm-hmm. and the central banks of the world competing with one another to <laughs> to devalue their currency. Yeah, so uh, uh, opting out and and seeing what happens when countries who really rely on those things opt out to see what happens when that change occurs, that's very interesting, very interesting.
0: Yeah, so that all makes sense. I think that a lot of smaller countries, of course, feel like they are at the mercy of some of the bigger countries like the United States, of course, Australia, Great Britain, uh, because, you know, we control these large countries control the value of money, right? Indeed. You know, what currency we're using to trade oil and all of this. So, you know, we know it's not fair and balanced. We know that in the hierarchical structure, Bali's probably pretty far down there compared to <laughs> yes. the, compared to New York City or London, right? So we know it's not fair. But what can a country like Indonesia and the provinces of Indonesia? What can they do really? How far away can they go from being part of this bigger system before some power that is higher up there on the ladder says no? and pulls them back, forces them back, or, you know, does something to them that makes them wish they hadn't done that, uses them as an example. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, it's very interesting. The Bank of Indonesia, the Central Bank of Indonesia, has, through dialogue, been very receptive to the idea of Bitcoin. And if I had to guess, I'd say it's because they're getting pushed around by the huge central banks of the world and it really leaves them with very few good options. Mm-hmm. If the United States uh, devalues their currency, you know, quadruples the money supply since 2008 like they've done, mm-hmm. then the Central Bank of Indonesia has very few good options. They can devalue their currency and kind of rip off their own citizens. Uh, or they can create a strong Indonesian rupiah, which means that a, a Bali vacation looks less attractive to an American tourist. Hmm. So they get pushed around like that, and they really don't have any good options. And, uh, you know, through dialogue about Bitcoin, they have been very receptive to the idea. And uh, that's another reason why it makes sense to uh, to do Bitcoin projects here and to set up Bitcoin uh, companies here. Not only are there lots of smart people, but the the regulatory environment is quite accommodative, I should say.
0: I see. I love hearing that the regulators there are open to Bitcoin. You know, I think about countries like Argentina and Venezuela, and I think, okay, well, if they were to embrace Bitcoin and to realize all of the ways that Bitcoin could help them, and I know that there are plenty of people in Venezuela and Argentina, for instance, Um, who do realize how important Bitcoin is, and who are working hard to further the cause of Bitcoin in those countries. But it seems to me that that is only going to anger the governments that are at the higher end of the hierarchical structure, like the United States, the central banks that are beholden to the United States, or that, you know, control the United States, however you want to look at it. But it seems to me that that would kind of piss these guys off so that they would look at these smaller countries and go, hey, we don't want you doing that. Bitcoin is doing really well for you guys. But that's not helping us in any way. It's making us look bad because we're not letting Bitcoin take off. So my fear is that as Bitcoin does really well in some of these smaller countries, my fear is that governments like the United States government, Great Britain are going to say, well, no, we're going to come down hard on Bitcoin and create false flags here in the United States and blame Bitcoin. So the Bitcoin value stays so low, it has a negative effect on these smaller countries.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Obviously, it will be challenging for Bitcoin if the world's governments come down hard in a regulatory way on Bitcoin. If the United States were to say Bitcoin's illegal, that would be bad for Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, you know, over the long enough timeline, you know, and this is already happening, they call it regulatory arbitrage, Mm -hmm. right? Where you you go to the place where the regulations are good for what you're trying to do. The innovation will happen elsewhere. I think uh, Andreas Antonopoulos talks very eloquently about this dynamic where, you know, if you create an environment that's not accommodating of innovation, then the innovation will go elsewhere. Right. And uh, we've seen that in Panama. And I think that's happening to a certain extent here. People are showing up here, to start their Bitcoin projects, it's very exciting. I lived for the last seven years in California, spent time in Silicon Valley, in that whole rich tech startup environment, and uh, uh, you know that's that's great. But if you've got too many regulatory hurdles, um, then uh, you know the, the innovation will happen elsewhere. I think there's smart tech people everywhere. You know they they tend to congregate in certain places, but they they also go to the places that are most hospitable for what they're trying to do. You know, and I I think that uh, a lot of smart people are showing up here in Asia. I've certainly seen that here in Bali. You know, the folks from Change Tip were just here. Uh, Nick Sullivan brought his team for two weeks here uh, to to work at Hubud, the co-working space where I work, and to um, basically launch their new website, et cetera. And it's just fascinating to see, you know, high power Silicon Valley startups show up in this part of the world to, uh, to get stuff done around Bitcoin and Bitcoin projects. It's very exciting. And I think uh, I only expect that trend to continue.
0: Yeah, that is exciting, man. Now, let me ask you, I've got to ask you, because I know people are wondering this. Did those guys party down pretty hard there in Bali?
1: well you know uh hubud has this what they call the hubud villa which is like uh it's like this huge house kind of like something you'd see you know from the bachelorette or something (laughs) and uh so the whole change point team i think there were like 20 of them they took over this house next door and uh well i i mean i I won't go into detail but uh fun (laughs) was had that's for sure
0: Let's just say the heat has cooled down. The heat's off now. The local authorities have (laughs) gone back about their their normal business. Oh, We've
1: got a very good relationship with the, the local community leaders, thank goodness, yes.
0: Oh, that's good, that's good. So they were able to forgive you for the debauchery and all <laughs> No. Sounds... Until next
1: time, yes. Until, Until next, next time. time, oh,
0: that's good, that's good. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun, actually. I would definitely love to come to Bali, man.
1: I encourage you, you and your listeners to come out and see it for yourself. If you've got a, a Bitcoin project or even if it's a short-term stay, it's a great place to get a project off the ground or to uh, come work
0: for six months. Now, how far is my dollar going to go there? How far is my Bitcoin going to go there?
1: Well, we're working hard to make it so that you don't have to convert currency once you arrive. I mean, uh, as it stands now, you can find a place to stay. You can hire a taxi driver or a scooter. You can do pretty much anything you want to do on Bitcoin today. So hopefully you won't have to go through the process of uh, exchanging your money. Um, But the exchange rate to the dollar, the dollar is strong against all currencies right now. So uh, that part's good as well.
0: What's an average meal cost there, just in terms of U.S. dollars, or what's a bottle of beer cost there in terms of U.S. dollars?
1: <laughs> well, a large bottle of bintang, which is the Indonesian beer, costs about three bucks. Okay, and I think that's a for a liter, and a good meal with the with the beer included is about uh, eight dollars.
0: Okay, that's maybe good. Ten. Okay, that's good. Yep. I, I was hoping you were going to say like 50 cents. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maybe in some other parts of Indonesia, but, but Bali's uh, clued in to the the international customer.
0: Exactly, because the tourism's so big there. Right. I right. see. So what can you tell me about the Bit Islands project? You talked a little bit about that. What else would you like our listeners to know about the Bit Islands project?
1: Okay, so the bitislands.com project, it's basically a social experiment. It's goal is to develop a Bitcoin economy, essentially, to reach out to merchants across a broad spectrum of products and services and try and uh, get them to accept Bitcoin as payment, and then educate the community, educate individuals on how they can spend Bitcoin, replace the Bitcoin that they spend, and uh, essentially feeding both sides of the economic equation, the buyers and, and the merchants. You know, if you consider we've been doing this for less than a year, there's there's quite a lot of merchants here in Ubud that accept Bitcoin such that you can pretty much do anything you want to do w- with Bitcoin. I, I wouldn't say that we've got a Bitcoin economy going just yet. It's still early days, but uh, we're getting there.
0: Okay, can I rent a small sailboat with Bitcoin?
1: Well, you can go parasailing or kiteboarding.
0: Oh, that sounds I don't fun. know if
1: you can rent a sailboat, but uh, if you wanted to do that, then we would probably find the merchants that uh, offer that service, and approach them and start to educate them about Bitcoin. That would be something that that our efforts would tackle here. I see. We're just at the point now where we're starting to, instead of just taking inbound interest, uh, starting to reach out. We're creating a kind of a nomination scheme where people can can vote for the local merchants that they'd like to see accept Bitcoin and then we can go to them with almost like a petition, you know, hey, there's 100 people that would like to spend Bitcoin at your business, you know, let's set you up kind of thing.
0: Hey, that's really smart.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, we're doing a lot of experimentation. I'd love to hear from any of your listeners that are trying to do this in their own locales because it kind of feels like a bit like we're stumbling around in the dark. You know, we get together every week Mm -hmm. and brainstorm about this stuff. You know, trying to figure out how can we build the economy. What do we need to do? How do we get people interested? Um, and these are the things that we come up with, and we've had a little bit of success. But I'm sure that there are other people doing similar things in other places.
0: Okay, well, you heard that listeners, you can get a hold of Gary Dykstra here in the show notes will be an email that will allow you to reach him there in Bali and you can ask him questions and you can give him your ideas about what you've done in your own community, uh, whatever country you're in, whatever small town you're in, anything that you have done that's unique to the Bitcoin world, anything that you've done that is groundbreaking or trendsetting, uh, Gary would definitely like to hear about it. The one that you just told me now, what did you call that where you have people vote? I love that.
1: Yeah, it's like a, it's like a petition system. Like you can nominate the business that you'd like to see, accept Bitcoin. Uh And then uh, other people can add their name to the list. And then you can approach the business and say, Hey, we've got a hundred signatures on this petition. You know, these people would, would show up at your business and spend Bitcoin there if they could. Let's get you set up. Let's uh, make it
0: happen. Yeah, I really like that, man. So now let me ask you, as far as other digital currencies, are people starting to look at other digital currencies there uh, in Bali? Do they have an interest in uh, any altcoin, and Litecoin, and Dogecoin, any of the other coins?
1: Well, funny you should uh, mention that. We've actually got some folks that are resident here in Ubud that have a long history with alternative currencies. Um, you know, Bitcoin is, is not the first idea in this domain. Right. You know, there are things like the Brixton dollar and and other efforts around the road, time banks, etc. And there's actually a world-renowned expert, a guy by the name of Stephen de Milenaire, who uh, has been involved in this movement for better than 20 years. So he's a great local resource to have. And uh, actually, he has started a local Bitcoin project called CoinAcademy.co, which is an educational resource for for all of the cryptocurrencies. Okay. So not just Bitcoin, but basically the idea of cryptocurrencies, and it's in the context of this wider movement with which he has a lot of familiarity, you know, and that is alternative currencies in general. I
0: see. That's really neat. Now, what alternative currencies did you have there in Bali, you know, prior to Bitcoin? What are you referring to specifically?
1: I don't think that they've ever used an alternative currency here in Bali, but one of the the world's experts in that field happens to live here. and He has written books on the subject and participated in projects around the world where they've tried to get alternative currencies off the ground, projects that that predate Bitcoin and, and cryptocurrencies. So um, it's great to have those kinds of resources and smart people here, especially when we're trying to get an economy off the ground, because this has been done before, you know, in in places like uh, the Brixton dollar. And I think they have a a business to business currency in Switzerland, for example. Mm -hmm. I know lots of communities do time banks and the social aspects of, of those efforts, you know, the community outreach and trying to get people to agree on a certain uh, language of value, mm-hmm. uh, a piece of paper that's not the money issued by their government. You know that has happened in many instances. And I'll give you some links that you can put in your show notes for your listeners because I don't know them off the top of my head. but um, it's a field of study, a discipline that we're referencing as we're trying to build the Bitcoin economy here because, like I said, we, you know we don't want to reinvent the wheel. Building an economy on an alternative currency is something that has has been done dozens of times around the world, many, many times, and, and many times even before cryptocurrencies existed.
0: Yeah, I think there are dozens of those in the United States, and I've read articles, and I can't really remember where they are. I know in Davis, California, where UC Davis is up there before you get to Sacramento, I believe they have a local currency that they trade there. You know, you can get, I don't know what it's called, Davis bucks or whatever. And yeah, people will spend those at the hardware store and at the grocery store and whatnot. And then I don't know exactly how you cash out of those or cash into those. I don't know about the off ramps and the on ramps, but it works really well. People really enjoy that. People like being a part of a community in that old school way where you feel like you're part of a small community. You feel like you're part of a small town. So that's interesting just to bring that whole subject up. uh, Something I hadn't really thought about in a while, actually.
1: Yeah, I think it's, you you know, for a, a small community to have true resiliency, you know, then um, having a way to exchange value locally, I mean, who knows what will happen with the, the global financial system? Yeah, We're in unprecedented global monetary environment right now, yeah. and if, uh, if the way that we exchange value suddenly um, collapses or deteriorates or, or changes in some significant way, you know if a if a local community has a way to trade services exchange value if it has their own money it's a way to be resilient it's a it's a good idea
0: i think so too and you know i often think okay You know, we don't know. Let's say the U.S. dollar collapses and the euro collapses. Well, people are using Bitcoins. I always wonder, well, what would that do to Bitcoin? Would it mean that Bitcoin kept its value or would Bitcoin price plummet? There's no way to know. But, you know, you're just making me think that if people can have established and set up their own local economy, their own local currency, their own local trust between each other and respect for each other and good reputations built, then if there is an economic collapse of some sort, right, like we see in some countries, and like I'm sure we'll see in many more countries before it's all over people will have they'll already have a system set up that they're comfortable with and then they could really go with anything you know if it meant they came up with a brand new digital currency or if they came up with something that was on pieces of paper just to have that infrastructure there that people were used to that people were comfortable using I think that could be really important that's the strength that's found in community that I know other countries still enjoy and that seems to have almost fallen apart completely, sad to say, in the United States, except in certain neighborhoods in certain like East Nashville. There's a very strong sense of community here. But so many other places, when you travel around the United States, all of these other towns and uh, larger cities, there's no real sense of community except, you know, maybe revolving around their sports team, which is pretty sad. Uh, I imagine that there in Bali, there's still a very strong sense of community in the different neighborhoods and different districts around. Is that true?
1: Definitely. That's one of the reasons that I decided to stay in Bali was the strong sense of community that exists here. And I've seen how trying to build a a Bitcoin economy can bring people together. You know, there's a, there's a small core group of people. We get together every week. And when there's a new merchant that accepts Bitcoin, you know, we'll have our Bitcoin meeting and then we'll go eat at that restaurant, right? Or we'll go take that uh, mountain biking tour. Nice. And, um, you know, you really get the sense that you're supporting the movement, supporting the local economy, connecting with the, the local people. And it's all because of the way that you're exchanging value. So I can really see this as a. Community cohesion mechanism, a way to bring people together. And that's that's the fun part. That's the interesting part for me.
0: Man, that is really cool. I love the way you said that a community cohesion... Tool
1: or a mechanism.
0: Yeah. a, A mechanism to
1: bring people together.
0: Yeah, I love that, man. That's great. So what do you do in your spare time there in Bali? What do you do for fun?
1: Well, I am pretty obsessed with Bitcoin. So that kind of consumes my life. But over the Christmas holidays... I definitely took some time off. And I had a buddy visit and we took a, a motorcycle trip uh, off-road through East Java over Mount Ijen, And uh, it was just spectacular riding motorcycles through the jungle and uh, single track through the mountains. Wow! It was spectacular. Also uh, I spent some time on the Gili Islands, which are basically these little... Uh, these tiny little islands off the coast of Bali where there are no internal combustion engines whatsoever. You go around on, on horse and buggy and you can live in a little beach shack and jump in the ocean and walk to dinner. And there's no scooter noise, no uh, jackhammers. Wow. <laughs> it's super peaceful. Man. So uh, <laughs> I like to get away from it all because... Uh, I don't know, Ubud's kind of a, a, it's a little town, but there's a lot of hustle-bustle here. Mm -hmm. And it's nice to, you don't have to go very far to be in the middle of the jungle. You don't have to go very far to be on a deserted island.
0: And, uh... Yeah. Man, that sounds that sounds pretty nice. Yeah, I'm hearing some of the hustle and the bustle during the interview, cars and trucks going by. <laughs> I'm picturing trucks packed full of big stacks of <laughs> bananas and, you know, mangoes.
1: Hubud, <laughs> the place where I work, is located right next to the monkey forest, which is a little sanctuary for monkeys. And sometimes they cross the street and, and join us at the cafe and climb across the roof. It's pretty hard to find a quiet place in Ubud when I think about it.
0: Oh, that's cool, man! Are the monkeys pretty friendly, or will they bite you?
1: They're they're friendly, but sometimes they like shiny objects. They'll they'll take the the sunglasses off your head or or grab your shopping bag. So you have to be uh it forces you to be aware aware of your surroundings.
0: Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun, man! Yeah, it's great. How long do you plan to stay in Bali?
1: I've got a visa that allows me to be here until the fall, so August September. I'm hoping that I have a, a real success story around building a Bitcoin economy in an emerging market country. Um, we, we shall see you know' we're, right now we're trying to push to get uh, 100 merchants accepting Bitcoin here in Ubud and um, you know we've got the high tourist season coming this this summer. Mm-hmm. If, um, if we get a bunch of merchants here and people decide to take their vacation in Bali because of the Bitcoin friendly environment, if, uh, if I have a story like that in, in the fall, in August and September, I'll consider my time here a success, but we'll have to see how it goes. Well, it
0: sounds like you've been a success already, really, in the groundwork that you've laid so far. Now, where do you go when you leave Bali? Where do you plan to go in the fall? Well, the
1: sky's the limit. Who knows? I mean, I'm really feeling like the global Bitcoin movement will be in a different state by then. Mm-hmm. And um, just trusting that the, the next project, the next opportunity will will make itself obvious for me but we shall see
0: yeah i like that way of thinking that's kind of flowing with the old uh, Taoist thing the river flows a winding course into the sea we must be equally as flexible if we hope to reach our goals something like that
1: yeah yeah i love that approach to life you know especially in the bitcoin world the things are so dynamic it's it's kind of hard to plan too far in advance
0: i think but, so uh,
1: I know that there are lots of interesting things going on in this part of the world. You know, we're taking a, a Bitcoins in Bali contingent to the Inside Bitcoins conference, which happens in Singapore in a few weeks. And, um, you know, we're we're going to compare notes with some of the guys from the Philippines. And there's lots of uh, interesting projects in Singapore. And uh, who knows? I mean, I, I feel like there's... Uh, you know, it, it'll be just making a choice between all kinds of interesting options when uh, when the fall comes around.
0: Man, that sounds so exciting! I would love to be there in Singapore with you guys. I mean, that really just sounds like so much fun. And you know, the few conferences I've been to, for the most part, it was just you know middle aged white American guys. It's like yeah, it's like you know, can can you find a more boring group of people if they were middle aged white Australians, Brits, Germans, anything? You know, but the middle-aged white. Wait, what am I talking about? This is half my listenership. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, I take it all back. I love you guys. Your your you're, you're culture. You're rich and cultural. Uh, blah blah blah. Anyway,
1: <laughs> I fall into that category too. But you know, I do too. I know, but I have the same. I feel the same way, though. I mean, I, I um, you know, I think diversity is uh, is fascinating, and you you see it here. Yeah, uh, we're certainly going to see it when we when we all get together in Singapore. Oh yeah, and um, the more the better.
0: Absolutely, as as man. That's yeah. one thing that Nashville is really lacking is diversity. But that's also one thing that I've found with some of these conferences. When I went to the conference in Texas last year, I did see, you know, there were there was a little bit of diversity there, but just very little. And uh, you know, I do have to say, you know, as far as those those middle-aged white dudes. American white dudes that I was making fun of a minute ago yes I too am one of them and I well essentially I despise myself no (laughs) no that's not true but I and that's not true at all I love myself but I will say that on a regular basis I bore the shit out of myself and I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna beep that out maybe I should say it again on a regular basis I bore the crap out of myself i mean can a person be more boring you know no actually gary you don't sound boring and um i'll look forward to being back here at one of the bitcoin meetups we have in nashville and hopefully cheryl your mom will be there again i'll be able to tell her about the great conversation of course she's going to hear it when the show comes out
2: i hope so hi mom oh yeah oh yeah
0: yeah say hi (laughs) to your mom
1: yes hi mom do you have
0: a message that you'd like to give her
1: well of course i i love her dearly nice And, uh, you know, if if she hadn't made this connection, we wouldn't be having this interview. So um, everything in my life, including being born, I owe to her. So, Nice, man. (laughs) um, Thank you for that, Mom. I love you. Nice. And uh, by the way, I'm going to be visiting her in February or March. So I'll come by and say hello. I'll come uh, knock on your door in East Nashville and hang out with you and Max maybe for uh, a
0: cup of coffee or something. Absolutely, man. That sounds great. Yeah, That absolutely must happen. So you're just going to come back to the States for a brief period of time and then get back, make your way through the winter, the spring, the summer, and uh, we'll see what happens with Bitcoin in the fall. Hopefully uh, we won't have some kind of a war of biblical proportions between now and then.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be interesting. Whatever happens, it will it will not be boring. So. Yeah,
0: I always say that I would like to live another hundred years so that I can see what happens, you know, with all of this insanity. But I think living in the time that we're living in right now is pretty exciting. And I think we're going to see some pretty interesting things. I just hope that... Uh I just hope and pray that the warmongers will not just go completely crazy, you know, because they're always there on the sidelines chomping at the bit and wanting fresh meat. And uh, I just hope that everything that happens can be done in a peaceful way and using technology to make life better for everybody, right?
1: Oh, man, well said. You know, there's big changes afoot. We're going to see a lot of uh, incredible things in our lifetime. I just hope uh, nobody gets hurt in the process. Yeah, (laughs) Let's have a graceful transition into whatever new world we're, we're going to have.
0: Absolutely. Well stated, sir. Well, hey, Gary, it was great talking with you. Thank you so much for taking time to talk with our listeners here on Bitcoins and Gravy. And if I'm ever in Bali, you know, I got a plan to get to Bali before you're out of Bali. Otherwise, I won't have a contact there, right? (laughs)
1: Yes, yes. Come visit us in Bali, and that goes for your listeners as well. We get together every Tuesday night here in downtown Ubud.
0: what time again? 6 p.m. local. 6 p.m. local. That sounds great.
1: Yeah, I've got an uh, open invitation for you and your friends. Uh, I I hope we'll see you here.
0: Okay. So, Gary, if you would, before we go, tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you.
1: I can be reached at gary at consensusreality.io. That's my email address. Okay. Um, but I encourage people to take a look at the bitislands.com website to learn a little bit about what we've got going on here. Okay. And um, obviously reach out to me if they have any questions.
0: All right. Hey, Gary Dykstra, thank you so much for being on the show and good luck with everything there in Bali. And hopefully I'll talk to you sometime soon.
1: All right. Thanks,
2: John. Good talking to you.
0: You too, man. Bye-bye. Bye. Today's magic word is island, I-S-L-A-N-D, island, as in the sentence, I sure would love to be on the island of Bali right now, basking in the sun. And I'm giving a shout out today to anyone who knows Maria Jones of Coin Telegraph. I'm having trouble getting in touch with her this past december i won that's right me john barrett i won the coin telegraph christmas riddle contest by solving the visual riddle given to us by maria jones herself so maria did congratulate me for winning the contest via the comments section there on the coin telegraph site and she asked for my email address i answered by sending her my email address of course uh, and that was three weeks ago but now i'm worried because i have not heard back from her Uh, like I said, in over three weeks, and I'm wondering if my message ever made it to her or what's going on. So according to the rules of the contest, the winner of the contest, who is me in this case, wins tickets to the Texas Bitcoin Conference coming up in March. I'm assuming this is two tickets, but I'm not sure. It just says tickets, plural. According to Cointelegraph, in addition to the tickets, the winner, that's still me, will also become a member of Cointelegraph's expert panel. This is a quote. As a Cointelegraph expert, you will have the opportunity to answer questions for our writers and be quoted as a cryptocurrency expert in future articles. (laughs) Well, I'm not sure if I would ever be a cryptocurrency expert. But anyway, if anyone knows how to get in touch with Maria Jones or anyone over there at Cointelegraph, I've heard back from no one please let them know that John Barrett that's me is wanting to make his flight and hotel arrangements and needs to find out about the tickets actually I probably will not be staying in a hotel I'm looking into Airbnb as a better alternative than hotels anyway if it really is two tickets that I've won I'm going to give one of the tickets away here on my show so if anyone has a great idea For a ticket giveaway contest, email me at howdy at bitcoinsandgravy.com. That's howdy, H-O-W-D, like David Y, howdy at bitcoinsandgravy.com. Oh, and I forgot to mention, I am offering a 25,000 LTB coin bounty for anyone who can connect me with either Maria Jones or anyone there at Cointelegraph who can get me my tickets.
3: And then in financial services, Bitcoin and things like it is the equivalent of the red pill. OK, we are entering a world of uncharted water. Have right you now. made any investments in Bitcoin? So, I mean, I personally, I own Bitcoin in my hedge fund. I own Bitcoin in my fund. I own Bitcoin in my private account. It is a huge deal. It's a huge, huge, huge deal. Because what you're talking about right now is for the next three to five years, an unbelievably better store value. It is gold 2.0, right? The value of gold that hedges the world economy about $9 trillion, right? 1300 an ounce of which only 100 to 150 dollars is the actual production value. So all the rest of it is imputed Where Lena, you and I have decided that it's worth 1300 an ounce. Well, guess what? I can do the same thing with Bitcoin except now it's I can do it outside the purview of every single government It's being used everywhere where you would think it would be used Russia, Iran, Iraq, Egypt, Venezuela, Argentina Everywhere where you have currency pressure everywhere where you want to basically shield your assets You're talking about trillions of dollars up for grabs up for grabs, right? And it's just about trying something, and taking a few months to understand what the opportunity is, and then hit the scene. And I think that the cool thing is, it's easier to know how to code, it's actually useful in a way where, you know, you can probably hack something together yourself, you can find folks, and so this is the time where people should be trying really big, crazy things.
2: Now climb aboard, y'all. This train is bound for glory there's plenty of room for all. Well, Satoshi Nakamoto, that's a name I love to say, and we don't know much about him, but he came to save the day when he wrote about the way things are and the way things ought to be. He gave us all a protocol this world had never seen, of Bitcoin as you're going into the old blockchain going to rain, gonna rain till everybody knows, everybody knows, till everybody knows your name Down the road it will be told about the death of old Mount Gox, about traders trading altar coins and miners mining blocks, but them good old boys back in Illinois and on down through Tennessee see they don't care to be a millionaire, they're just wanting to be free, Our Bitcoin You're going into the old blockchain Or Bitcoin I know you're going to rain, going to rain Till everybody knows, everybody knows Till everybody knows your name A promise to deliver us from age-old tyranny Oh, Bitcoin, as you're going into the old blockchain Oh, Bitcoin, I know you're going to rain Gonna rain Till everybody knows, everybody knows Till everybody knows your name Till everybody knows, everybody knows Till everybody knows your Give me some exposure Everybody knows your name, sing it Oh, Lord, pass me some more Oh Lord, before I have to go, oh Lord, pass me some more. Oh Lord, before.
0: I'd like to thank my guest on today's show, Chamath, the former Facebook executive who we heard from briefly speaking about Bitcoin back in 2013. And of course, I'd like to thank my main guest, Gary Dykstra, the Motown Transplant living on the island of Bali. Gary invites all of us to Bali for a fun-filled vacation that you can pay for entirely in Bitcoin. And maybe if we're lucky, Gary will take all of us off-road motorcycle riding through the jungles of Bali. And who knows, we might even run into some money monkeys who try to steal our sunglasses. I'm ready to go. And now an important question for all you small business owners and startups out there. Do you have a business that needs more exposure? Do you want to increase your customer base and increase your profits? Here's something to think about for your business. This podcast you're listening to right now, Bitcoins and Gravy, has over 10,000 weekly listeners and is heard each week in over 30 different countries around the world. The Bitcoin sphere is expanding exponentially, and Bitcoins and Gravy is expanding in pace with this relatively new technology. So, as our listener base grows, so does the potential for your business to reach more and more customers here in north america south america europe asia and around the globe to find out how to advertise on bitcoins and gravy just email me at the following address howdy at bitcoinsandgravy.com that's howdy h-o-w-d-y howdy at bitcoinsandgravy.com i can produce for you a high quality 30 second spot or a one minute spot for your business right here at the treehouse studio in Nashville Tennessee the cost of these ads is very affordable and because everyone knows I'm a nice guy I am always willing to work with your budget creative advertising strategies and packages are available listen advertising does work otherwise people wouldn't do it right do something nice for your business by pushing it forward and taking it to the next level If you've enjoyed the show today, please take a minute to leave a comment on Let's Talk Bitcoin in the comments section right there below the show notes you can also leave a message on soundcloud or do the old-fashioned thing and send me an email and of course bitcoin and litecoin tips are always appreciated by the hard-working writers and podcasters in the bitcoin world many of us work as volunteers and sure could use those tips you can send me five dollars or five cents and i will be just as happy knowing that this podcast Put a smile on your face or made your day a little bit better. Signing off now from East Nashville, Tennessee, I'm your host, John Barrett, with my trusty companion, Maxwell, by my side. Say goodbye, Maxwell. Y'all be good to each other out there now. And remember, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men and women to do nothing.